0: Matches going on around them. Many fans couldn't help but talk about the kicking that Trestle and Ohio State's program have taken over the last few months.
1: I didn't want to see him out, but boy, I tell you what, with everything that you see, I don't think there's any other choice. He's the leader, and and so goes leader, goes the rest. And, uh, you know, if you don't have trust in your coach and and alumni and and, and
0: the fan base, you know, what else can we do? Well, thanks for stopping by MGo Talk. We're back for our Midsummer Night's Dream, so to speak, our, our, our Midsummer podcast. I'm your moderator, Jeremy Miller. I'm joined here with Jeff DelVern. Jeff, it's been, I think, since April, and my dear God, the college football world was turned upside down in May. Uh, How you been doing with everything, with all this information that's been coming out?
1: It's been a pretty amazing few months here. Uh, I don't think I would have ever believed it had you told me that back when Coach Hoke was hired in January, that we would have a turn of events just like this. But uh, since we last met up, Coach Trussell has uh, been let go, and Coach Hoke is absolutely killing it on the recruiting trail.
0: Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, the, the cloud that was over Ann Arbor. We mentioned it in the last podcast, the cloud that was over Ann Arbor for the last three years has moved south about three hours to Columbus, Ohio. And we've got nothing but rays of light out there now. I mean, we're, we're killing recruiting. We've got the right now tab, the the number one recruiting class for 2012. And it just seems like Hoke walks on Hoke walks on water.
1: You're absolutely right. Uh, What he's done in recruiting is nothing short of amazing. If you look at a lot of the uh, rankings of teams that are in the top 25 in recruiting, I don't think really any of them have the record that we have, as poor a record as we have. So for him to sell U of M, the education, the stadium, the tradition, through what I would consider below average seasons over the last three years, it's really remarkable that we're going out and and getting some of these guys.
0: Yeah. Below average, that's kind of putting it mildly, you know, very nicely, if you will.
1: (laughs) I don't want to be a rich rod basher. I mean, (laughs) I know that there's still a faction of the fan base that's uh, hoping that he's brought back uh, in replacing uh, Coach Madison as the defensive coordinator.
0: (laughs) Right. Exactly. Well, you know, what's funny is Last week, and we could talk about this, give, kind of give an overview of the show. We'll talk about recruiting. We'll talk about the mess in Columbus, the sweater mess, so to speak, the Summer of Hoke, and uh, we'll take a look at the schedule, just some of the games that uh, uh, kind of pop out to us here in, in the middle of July. Talking about Trestle, you know, since we reported, since we uh, last had our episode, I mean, it seemed like, Jeff, everything we talked about on that podcast eventually came out and got released in that SI report, and that SI report is what led to Trestle's demise.
1: Yeah, they, right before it was released, uh, they forced him to step down or, I mean, who knows what they actually did after reading all the stuff online. Was he, um, honorably discharged, dishonorably discharged, charged without pay? I mean, who the heck knows? But at the end of the day, I think it's great for Michigan. I, I think we're seeing a good flow of recruits that are starting to see the, the light and head north. So, um, It really has been an unbelievable turn of events for Michigan football and probably the kick in the rear we needed to get back to dominance where we had in the nineties, um, was to put some of these high profile players. And I don't think I would have ever predicted it that it would get this bad and that coach Tressel would leave, but, uh, we were kind of, uh, we were on the right path then. I mean, I think anyone that had watched Ohio state football over the last 10 years knew that there was uh, rumors of some shady stuff. And as they say, where there's smoke, there's fire.
0: Yeah, and, and let's talk about some of that fire. You had the, the deal on the cars kind of get broke out, although somehow I'm still calling shenanigans on this. I think the Ohio DMV is, I, I think the, the corruption that exists at Ohio State not only stems what's going on in the football program. I mean, Jeff, you, you, you you've been down to Columbus. You see how the people are around it. It doesn't matter if you're a politician, if you're a government worker, if you're a guy in financial services. All of those guys have their heads jammed in the rear of Ohio State football. I mean, they want to succeed, and they'll do whatever it takes. And So it would not surprise me at all if these uh, um, legitimate titles on these cars were somehow forged to look more legitimate than they really are. Um, I think it's a systemic problem, personally.
1: Yeah, you know, and you bring up a good point. I think, you know, being a one newspaper town like Columbus and, um, kind of the way the media has always been the hype machine for Ohio State University, they really lost a sense of, uh, you know, I, I, I almost honesty as you can see with the Detroit news and free press and along with the Ann Arbor news, they really keep U of M honest and, dueling newspapers dig for stories and as you see with in Columbus I think this has been going on since uh Trestle arrived on campus certainly the Maurice Clarette incident was kind of the beginning and there was some red flags at that point that the dispatch probably could have gone after and they didn't so it, it's really one the kind of a thing where you learn that a school that size with that size of athletic program really needs more than one newspaper. And if you if you really want to look it up, look on Dispatch dot com and see how many days it's been since Michigan has beaten the Ohio State. I mean, that'll tell you everything you need to know that they're a complete and utter Homer. But
0: but I do got to give the Dispatch credit, or at least the the one or two sports writers or uh, uh, writers that have been reporting on all of the uh, mischief going on in Columbus. i got to give them credit for, you know, really uh, taking a, a chance at, the, you know, I, w- I don't want to say risking their lives, but in a sense they, they're risking their livelihood living in that city. I mean, we saw what happened to Kirk Herbstreit. The guy left town, and he was an Ohio State alumni. He should should be celebrated there, and, and he left because of the minority of people that harassed the hell out of him. So, yeah, so I he, give those uh, writers a lot of credit
1: the guy who broke the story, the Cicero guy, I know he's taken some heat. Um, and Terrell Pryor, I know he's not uh, as well-liked as maybe he would have been had this not broken, but that's the way they're, you know, they're, it's a very rabid fan base. Um, they've got a rich tradition similar to Michigan. Um, a little bit different, obviously, with, with this black eye chasing them around. Um, That's certainly one thing that I think I'm proud of as a former player, that um, our 90s dominance never ended in uh, cheating and that it was actually legitimized. And I think this is going to be a black eye. I mean, for most of your Buckeye fans, they don't really care. But uh, if you're an alum of the University of Ohio State or whatever you call it, the Ohio State University, um, you're worried about it.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, uh, the, the, the real fans and I'll say the real fans that, you know, like you said, the, the alums, the people that are, uh, have more than, more than just an emotional interest in the football program, you know, that generally love Ohio state for being Ohio state. Uh, they're ashamed. Those people are ashamed, but it's funny the the fans that have no, you know, connection other than, oh, that's my football team. You know, they, they, they treat it like it's a, like it's a pro team and they think, well, it goes on everywhere. I can't believe we're getting busted for something as petty as this. It's like, well, the guy lied. He signed a contract with the NCAA that said, have you reported every violation that's occurred? He said he did. And then he said in December at a press conference talking about how, oh, well, we need to do a better job of educating our players. And, um, yeah, we didn't have compliance in all the time talking about what the players can and can't do. Well, you idiot, you just opened up the gates. You know, like it's called CYA. We did it every fall. Every fall in two days, we had compliance in. They told us what we can and can't do. And from that standpoint, if a kid then breaks the rules after that, the, the university can't uh, say, well, we didn't tell them, we didn't educate them. I mean, they said, well, hey, they knew the rules. They broke the rules. So it's – you just got to gotta cover yourselves. I mean, it was a very – from the get-go, it's been a complete circus with what's been going on in Columbus, I mean, with, with their uh, officials.
1: Yeah, it's been handled very poorly uh, I think and they really, as the as the time goes on, they have not learned that you need to just be forthright. And each step of the way, they fought it, tried to be deceitful, and it's going to end up in probably a worse punishment than uh, really what should have happened. So at the end of the day, if there's any advice that I think anyone gets out of the story, it's just be forthright, take your lumps, and, and move on. I, everything down to... Their self-imposed sanctions, uh, not involving any scholarship loss, not involving any bowl ban. Simply, uh, we'll take back uh, victories from the last season. So if I, if I was a betting man, I would say that the NCAA is going to go after them pretty harsh uh, on August 12th. However... Uh, There's some rumblings that that date may get pushed back with some ongoing investigations that the NCAA hasn't even concluded yet. So uh, at the end of the day, uh, it's not going to be good. And then from what I'm hearing is I think their basketball program may be in some trouble as well, which go figure.
0: Yeah. And on this past Friday, it was also released that the university had paid for $700 worth of auto repairs from the uh, University Emergency Fund. Now, I don't understand how car problems become uh, an emergency situation when these funds are supposed to be used for like if a family member of a student athlete dies, they pay for the plane and uh, plane ticket and things like that. Um, so it just seems like every week or two, there's a new nugget of information coming out about some of the uh, illegalities going on with their football program. And it's, it doesn't look like it's stopping anytime soon. And, and talking about their punishment, they, they had to forfeit all the 2010 games and somewhere rich Rodriguez is saying, Hey man, I was eight and five. I mean, uh, why am I not, not coach now? You
1: know, you bring up a great point. Do you think, uh, we should give Coach Rodriguez another chance, given that his record isn't nearly as bad. And technically, he did beat the Buckeyes.
0: <laughs> if so facto, I guess he did. I mean, well, I mean, I, I don't know if you could say he beat the Buckeyes. He just didn't lose to them. Um, but, uh, it, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure he's using this as a resume builder. You know, I'm sure he's going to be like, well, I never lost to Ohio State. <laughs> You know, He's but, got.
1: He he updated his career builder uh, as soon as the <laughs> exactly. wins
0: were revoked. I saw his LinkedIn profile now shows eight and five uh, <laughs> record this past season. It says seven and five.
1: Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, now let me play a little bit of devil's advocate here, Jeremy. Okay. Let's say um, you're on the NCAA committee or the rules the rules enforcement committee on August twelfth. And you're looking at the situation and you're saying, all right, what they actually did was trade um, their own goods for money. And at the end of the day, or, or tattoos or whatever all the other rumors are. And the cars haven't been substantiated yet by the NCAA, along with the rent and all the other stuff. So really what you have is a coach deceiving the NCAA who's no longer with the program. Given that, do you still come down on them because they led the nation in in uh, s- secondary violations for the last 10 years, or do you, do you spare them?
0: I, I don't see how you can spare them. I mean, we are at a, such a crucial point in college football where somebody is going to have to take the fall in order for major reform to occur. And what bigger place than Ohio State, which – Ohio State, the power team and the, you know, quote unquote, more morally uh, and ethically uh, who pride themselves on holding themselves to a higher standard than the SEC and some of these other conferences. So um, it's bad. I mean, and I think the NCAA, in order to nip this in the butt, they've got to set it. They've got to make them an example, you know, and just goes to say uh, just goes to show and say, well, I don't care that you reported those 400 secondary violations and you were forthright about it, I mean, how do you have 400, first of all, and have over 150 more than any other school that's, that's self-reporting secondary violations? I mean, if you're reporting all these secondary violations, it to me it seems like you're covering it up for some of the bigger stuff that's occurring on campus. It's no secret that anybody who spent time in Columbus, I mean, gosh, from whether it's the basketball player that has a blog who talked about it, uh, to just people that, you run into and interact with Jeff, you know, you and I here in Toledo that we come across. I mean, that's why they're all the opinion. It goes on at every university because they see it happen at Ohio state, but but they, they hide behind the, Oh, well it goes on everywhere.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think you're right on. I think the NCAA is gonna probably given their history, the fact that they were already on probation Uh, I don't believe they're going to get an easy pass. I mean, I could be wrong. They may just vacate last year's wins. Um, However, given uh, our practice situation and what we ended up getting, uh, granted, a lot of that was self uh, imposed. We actually know how to police ourselves. I, I think you're right. Now, I guess my next question would be, you know, what do you think the short term effects of them let's say they get a two-year bowl ban and loss of scholarships what do you think the short and maybe even long-term effects are there and how does it impact Michigan
0: well I think it's I mean we're already seeing some of those short-term effects with uh these these recruits in Ohio looking elsewhere you know Kyle Kalis the the offensive tackle the prized recruit for Ohio State um who decommitted from Ohio state and committed to Michigan said it himself. He's like, I don't want to go to a school and take penalties for something I had nothing to do with. And I think you'll see a lot of the same uh, thing from a lot of other players, you know, some of the elite players. It's like, why do I go want to go to Ohio state where, you know, we're not going to be able to sign full classes of 25 players. We may have a postseason bowl uh, ban. Um, why should I pay for that? When, when I wasn't there to, to do any of that stuff, how about you? What do you think?
1: No, I agree. I think in the short term, as you guys, we alluded to earlier in the show, it's really helped recruiting. And as everyone who's a listener knows, the, the roster really needed to be upgraded with some bigger, talented kids. And, uh, you know, I guess to, to recap the recruiting season, Michigan uh, initially started off completely dominating Michigan State in the recruiting battle for top defensive recruits in state, just top recruits in general. And I think that was an early indication that uh, the hype we had heard surrounding Madison and Hope being great recruiters was actually legitimate. And then uh, with the Ohio State fallout, it kind of also snowballed. And now we're sitting here at 19 commitments of a class of 25 to 27 kids. um, And we're number one in the nation. So the short-term effect for me was that uh, we're going to be able to load our roster with some great players for next year and maybe even the following year. And I think it really puts us on the map. It makes Michigan relevant and a good place to go, get a good education, play in front of 100,000 people, and uh, play for a coach you like.
0: Right, and to continue on that that thought, too, I mean, you look at uh, – you look at Ohio State and kind of the, and we talked a little bit about it earlier about the circus that they've kind of run with this whole, it's been a PR nightmare for them, and they've handled it, uh, the, the PR standpoint, uh, just horribly. If you're Ohio State, you want to nip this thing in the butt as quickly as possible. You want to get it isolated, you want to get it contained, you want to get the, uh, you know, the verdict, so to speak, and then move on. The longer this thing drags out, the longer it's going to be for Ohio State. So, I mean, maybe they're now starting to realize it's like, all right, we, we just need to, you know, open up the doors. Let the NCAA come in and, and, you know, find whatever you guys want to find. Give us a sentence and we'll deal with it. Because the longer it drags out, as we saw, Jeff, you know, people can use that to negative recruit against you. And, and you look at what we did uh, with practice gate. I mean, it, it, it definitely affected Rodriguez's tenure here. I mean, it's hard to say that it didn't.
1: No, you're absolutely right. And I think it's the kind of thing where someone at Ohio State, they're lacking some leadership somewhere. Uh, They certainly don't have Dave Brandon running their athletic department. I think anyone that witnessed uh, the way he handled the NCAA violations was nothing short of amazing. He came in isolated, took our lumps. We've moved on. Um, In Ohio State, this thing could drag out. Even further, as I said earlier, you for such a long time, you have a one newspaper town and the only reason they kind of piled on the story was that I think Yahoo broke the actual story and then, uh, dispatch piled on and now you have sports illustrated every media, um,
0: Hey, you've got ESPN suing Ohio State for. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And basically, they're thinking, oh my gosh, this has all been going on underneath the dispatch's nose for 10 years, and they never reported it. There's got to be a lot more. And otherwise, I don't think they would invade the dispatch's turf. I think they felt like the Columbus dispatch would do its job and report and do some investigative journalism, and they just haven't. And I think that's. And ultimately, as you said that paired with the fact that they're doing a terrible PR job and, and the way they're disseminating information is just killing them at this point. And it would not surprise me at all if this thing gets punted uh, past August 12th because I think they want to get the whole story out and Ohio state should want that. I think they need to, they need some closure. And at this point, Every two weeks, we get a new uh, Christmas gift thrown on our lawn.
0: <laughs> exactly. It's it's been fun. I mean, you and I talked about it on the last podcast. It's actually been quasi enjoyable to be a Michigan fan in uh, Toledo, Ohio, right now. I mean, granted, they keep throwing back in our face that you know we haven't beat them in X amount of days, but we can throw back that it wasn't all legitimate. So, um, it's been uh, it's been fun.
1: Yeah, and this season I think is going to be a key season. Um I think there's been a lot of excitement. I know I'm excited. I I have not been you know excited about Michigan football in forever. And I haven't had this much I guess of a good feeling of, about being a Michigan fan till now and the recruiting that Hoke has done has been amazing. And I think it's going to come down to okay, he can recruit How is he going to do? What's the product on the field going to look like? And are we going to spank the Buckeyes in November? And I've been on record before as saying, I think this Mm -hmm. is our year. And it's probably the first year in 10 years that I've talked uh, smack to Buckeye fans openly that I think we're going to beat them.
0: Now, I have to agree with you. I think, uh, you know, now that they've got a new coach, Luke Fickle, you know, and Ray from, yeah, well, Lace you know he is out! he. Is out! Do you remember the cop in? Uh, well, he actually is the the salesman uh, the yacht. I think a helicopter salesman in uh, Step Brothers. Um, you know, Will Ferrell's brother's like sidekick. He looks like that guy, and that guy also was the cop in The Hangover. Like, hey, go to Vegas in the face, in the face. Finkle <laughs> looks just like that guy. It's like <laughs> a perfect doppelganger. Well, I guess that's
1: another question for you. Uh, Do you think Fickle has any chance at uh, retaining this job, or is he just a one-and-done?
0: Einhorn is Fickle. Fickle is Einhorn. Um, I don't know. I think it's a good resume builder. I just don't see if you're Ohio State and you want to move on. I don't see how you can keep Luke Fickle as your head coach because, to me, it, it, it sends the message to the nation that you know, despite what happened with Trestle, we're going to go on business as usual is is what it kind of tells me. It's like, all right, you're going to have Trestle, one of Trestle's top assistants stay on as head coach. What well, makes you think anything's going to change from a culture standpoint? I think they need to shake things up. It's still a good job. They should be able to get a, a great coach, you know, a great hire, somebody who's got experience.
1: Even under sanction, what if they come down and get a couple-year bull man and – uh reduction in scholarships so now the job is not appealing to a say an urban meyer or um bo Pelini or all these you know all these big names that you're hearing from the buckeye homers right.
0: like <laughs> well we'll get gruden we'll got urban meyer bought a house in upper arlington <laughs> jesus christ
1: himself bought a house <laughs> in upper arlington and he wants to be the buckeye coach <laughs> no but seriously uh yeah, so, I, I mean, I guess, does that play into the decision-making or not? And
0: I mean, I, I think you you, you got to factor. Ditka? I mean, I, I think that would definitely be a factor. I mean, because it's like, all right, why do I want to go to a school, start building a program, and not be able to reward my kids for two years? Or why do I want to go into, similar to like a recruit, all right, why do I want to have you know a reduction in scholarships when this is big time college football and you typically only get three years to succeed anyway, um, you know whether you've you're dealt with a, a full deck or not, and you know you already got one hand tied behind your back for at least a couple seasons, I would think, but. I don't know, man. You know, it is interesting to see Fickle hired Mike Vrabel and Mike Vrabel was arrested two or three months ago for stealing alcohol from a bar in Indiana. So what a great hire, Luke Fickle.
1: Yeah. And and kind of it's alarming that you fire your coach because he's a criminal (laughs) and then you hire the criminal's assistant who, you know,
0: goes out and hires another criminal. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, it's like, Are you really trying to address a culture of corruption or are you just that aloof to what the NCAA really wants?
0: Yeah, you got to wonder if it's just complete, you know, them being so naive or what. I mean, it's just it's unreal.
1: You got to wonder if Guy and uh, Gene Smith are done. I mean, with the way it's transpired and the way that things just continue to get worse, not better. Do they have a job in a year?
0: Right. I mean, I don't see how you can. I mean, you look at our Fab Five scandal, you know, um, when it first kind of broke, our athletic director resigned, and then the new AD came in and fired Steve Fisher. And, you know, we had a new school president right around that time, too. So, I mean, and for Gordon Gee to make the comedy made at, the, at that initial press conference, I just hope the coach doesn't get rid of me. And to see the, the complete 180 – uh change in the message that they've been sending like oh we were betrayed by Jim Trestle. Trestle betrayed us. I, I I can't believe he betrayed us like that. It's like come on guys like are you kidding me?
1: Yeah they're throwing Trestle under the bus. I mean it's like I said I mean there's so much I guess just utter incompetence uh, down there that I would not be surprised if all the Casey Anthony jurors, jurors ended up in uh, compliance at Ohio State. All well, of
0: well, you knew she was guilty the second you saw her in in Ohio State jersey. You ever see that picture?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's hilarious.
0: <laughs> I was like, wow, that was great. But well, well, we spent a lot of time talking about what's going on in Columbus you know let's talk about our team news we've had a lot of you know exciting things we've talked about recruiting um a few months ago or a month and a half ago we had the throwback jerseys released uh to the public for what the guys are going to play in the night game uh this fall against Notre Dame and and I don't know about you Jeff but you know looking at this schedule um I'm really excited for September not only just to see how we come out the gate, you know, against the directional teams in, in Michigan. I'm, I'm intrigued by the San Diego State matchup, obviously, because Hoke left there last year and a lot of those coaches, but that night game against Notre Dame, I mean, I, I just got confirmed this week, the ticket, uh, my ticket with my buddy Brent, so I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited.
1: Yeah, as a former player, I think the New Jerseys are really neat, and the reason is, is we wore the same jerseys every game that we played for Michigan, and to switch things up, even just a little bit, I think would have been very refreshing. I, I think we had a few wrinkles that were changed over the course of four or five years there, but I, I like it. I think it's bold, um, and I think it's a marketing move, really, more than anything. Is You can say you were at that game, get a jersey in – I think they should do it every year. I I actually like both teams' uniforms. I think Notre Dames are cool with the green and the shamrock on the helmet, and Michigans are neat with the stripes. I know that there's a lot of traditionalists that are very upset about it and yada, 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 but as a former player, I thought it was a neat idea for the players, for the fans. And it's not like we're wearing them. Uh, and it's not like we're turning the program into Oregon. We're still Michigan. We're going to wear the same traditional uniforms every other game. Yep. it's just a one-time deal. We're not Oregon.
0: Yeah, and and what I liked, and for the people that just look at the jersey and be like, "Well, we never wore jerseys like that," and 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 we, I guess I should correct myself and not call it a throwback jersey, but they're they're really sticking to this name, the legacy jersey. And what I liked about it is that they took elements from jerseys from different eras uh, throughout throughout the years. Now, if you look at the block M that's in the front of the jersey, there's stitching around the M, and then there's also stitching around all the numbers. And during the press conference, Dave uh, Brandon described that, well, you know, back in the day, there were wool jerseys. Wool, if I can say that right. And uh, some of those lettering that they put on there was, was really heavy. So they, they envisioned that they had to stitch it a little bit more um, you know, the body of the M more so than than they would in a in a newer age jersey. So they tried to in- include that element there. Stripes was a what was a present uh, was pre- uh, present in one of the jerseys in the early 1900s. So I like how they took elements from different eras and incorporated it into one jersey. And I I think they've already sold you know I don't even know how many jerseys, but like they're selling like hotcakes.
1: Yeah, I know you can't get them right now. They're on back order, according to. Uh our sponsor, the MDEN, but uh,
0: our, our exactly. future sponsor. Future sponsor. Me. Jedi mind trick there. Anybody, yeah. Anybody from MDEN out there listening want to give us a sponsorship?
1: Um, but I think it was a great idea. I'd like to see it maybe once a year or every other year. Regardless, we're bringing Michigan football, I think, into the new era with some flashy uniforms as well as you know a night game, which is always neat. Um, nonetheless, great idea. Um, what do you think about this team from what you're hearing? Um, what, what are you most excited to see, Jeremy?
0: Yeah, I think, I guess what intrigues me most, I want to see how we, I just want to see what this offense looks like. I mean, I, I have a lot of confidence that our defense is going to be better. Um, but what intrigues me the most is just to see how we take, you know, the offensive weapons that we developed uh, over the last couple of years, and in particular, Denard Robinson. And just see how he fits in this new offense. Now, I know that Al Borges has stated that he's doing more shotgun than he's ever done. I think he'll start to, um, you know, reel that back in as we progress, uh, this program progresses. But when you got the talent, you might as well, you know, play to their strengths. And that's what I like about this staff is that they're willing to do that, whereas the other staff only knew how to teach and coach one way. And, uh, you know, they didn't really adjust their sales, so to speak, to the talent that, that, that they were delivered. But um, I would say, yeah, Denard Robinson. Interested to see. I mean, I, it's an easy answer, but um, I, I really want to see how he's adjusted because in this, in this offseason because I look at how he performed in the spring game, and I know that's only one practice, and it's a micro picture of what happened during the 15 practices. But I am interested to see uh, how much he has improved this summer and how he can do this fall. How, how about you?
1: You know, I'd have to say probably the defensive line. I'm pretty excited to see them. You've got a guy like Mike Martin, who I think last year, you know, was getting quadruple teamed in the in the three three five. And I think with some additional help up front, I know Van Bergen's put on a little bit of weight as well as Rowe and uh, the addition of Campbell on that defensive front. I, I think we're going to get some pressure, and I think uh, – particularly Mike Martin's going to get some opportunities to shine and as well as the defensive end so for me I'm most excited to see how they pan out how they adjust to the system and if you know if they really are the difference makers uh, in order to maybe get some spaces so that these offensive linemen don't come off and hammer our uh, linebackers I think that's one thing that people were critical of in the past that OB a and Um, a lot of these other, um, uh, I mean, they were getting hammered, but I think as a general fan, you don't understand that, uh, these linemen, when they only have three man front, they can come right off a help block and hammer our linebackers. And, uh, I, Eze was good in the four, three, and he was terrible in the three, three, five. So I expect the linebackers and really just the front seven in general, have a big year and I'm really anxious, you know, we're 50, roughly 50 days away from football. And to me, I think that's going to be one of the strengths of this team.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see, because I I also think, I mean, I think we're going to surprise a lot of people with our defense just because the kids are now getting taught, you know, I think they, they now are going to be in the right position. They know how to get off blocks. Now they know how to take pursuit angles. They're just getting taught by, um, you know, much more knowledgeable coaches, and that that that, that really excites me on the defense side of the, of the of the ball. Now, Jeff, looking at at the schedule here, what what game uh, intrigues you the most, and and what game scares you the most?
1: You know, the end of the season has always been over the last three years, um, really the Achilles' heel, and I, it obviously they always end up facing the toughest teams as the schedule goes on. And uh, for me, I'm going to say that last stretch where you got, you know, Illinois, Nebraska, Ohio State, Um, Nebraska and Ohio State back to back at home, big, both big games, two of the top teams in the big 10. And uh, I think one thing that, for me, is that what we lacked in the last two seasons, three seasons, was that the team seemed to get worse as the year goes on. And most teams under the pro style or any style, offense, defense, seem to get better. You start to find who your reliable guys are, which plays work, which plays don't, uh, who can you depend on. And I think you saw that with Notre Dame. They would get better and we would get worse. And by the end of the year, you know, we'd beat them, but by the end of the year, I think they would hammer us because we started to either lose our confidence or the guys weren't in good enough shape or um, a variety of reasons. We just were not focused on here's what we're good at and here's what we're not. We need to leverage what we're good at in order to win football games. And so I look to those last two games, our preparation, uh, our conditioning and our overall readiness to get better every week, not worse.
0: Yeah, it's like Coach Carr always used to say you're either getting better or you're getting worse. Yeah. And I uh, used to say that every day. Did you get better today or did you get worse? You know? Um,
1: and football is really a sport of that. I mean, you see it all the time in weeks one through three, a team is terrible, and then they end the season being fantastic and a lot of it has to do with did they get better every week did they come up with an identity did they leverage what they had and versus what they didn't have and as a fan i think there isn't anything more disappointing than watching your squad go down the tubes late in the season and you know, we got hammered by wisconsin hammered by ohio state and then and
0: embarrassed by mississippi yeah, state
1: by i mean mississippi state is it I mean you're not talking the caliber of a team of a uh, Nebraska or Ohio State. You're talking you no know, this this is a total pretender type program. No offense, Mark Walmart. Well,
0: I mean I I do think though. I think they're on the right track. I I really like that Dan Mullen. I do I do think they've got a great coach, but I'm with you. Um it shouldn't have been that lopsided. There's no yeah. way. You've got a month and a half to prepare and there's you know he's he's worried about you know Rodriguez is worried about singing Josh Groban lyrics and um, instead of preparing his team. But, you know, you, you, you made a comment about you lose the first two or three games, but then how you end up at the end of the year. I mean, prime example of that is 2007. We lose to Appy State. We lose, we get embarrassed by Oregon. And then we end up beating Florida, you know, uh, uh, defending national champions in the Capital One Bowl. So, I mean, you talk about improvement um, from the beginning to the end. It's definitely something that we were acc- accustomed to. You know, you always saw a Michigan team get better as the season went on and it was just a complete opposite with Rodriguez.
1: So for me those two games are huge. Um, what about you? What are you most anticipating in terms of the schedule whether it be an actual team or a stretch?
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think no you hit the nail on the head with November. I mean, that is a tough stretch to to finish the season with Nebraska and Ohio State and, and you know, I was in there too. I mean, uh, it's going to be a tough. It's going to be a tough road to hoe. But um, really, I want to see how we get started in September. That September kind of intrigues me the most because I want to see can we handle the directional teams. You know, the the westerns and the easterns or the whatever Michigan teams we're playing. That's not Michigan State. And then how we do against San Diego. I mean, Notre Dame is I, from a social standpoint. I'm very excited for that game. You know, <laughs> I just think it's going to be un, an unbelievable environment and atmosphere just all over Ann Arbor that day. Um, so I'm obviously intrigued in that. So September for me, I want to see how we start the season.
1: What? Uh, how do you think Notre Dame's
0: going to be? I think they're going to be real good, man. Me too. Um, I, you know, you and I talk all the time about our respect for Brian Kelly and the 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 job that he does as a coach. He's been a winner everywhere he's went, and you look at how they how Notre Dame ended, like you said a few minutes ago. They. They they dominated that bowl game. I mean, they're going to be uh, a force to be reckoned with. That's that's not going to be an easy game. I just hope that we have more drunk fans than they're drunk fans at the game, and our fans are into it, and which I'm sure that won't be a problem. But I just well, hope that I just hope we're into it. You
1: know, I think I'm really excited about the season. Uh, I think I'm even more excited to get this podcast rolling and. Uh, under the Hulk era to see not only how do we develop players, but the recruiting run we're on. I I have to say it's great to be a Michigan Wolverine for the first time in quite some time. I think just the whole athletic department has a momentum Uh, I'd even throw basketball and hockey into that ring as well.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it it feels, everything just feels right. I mean, it just seems, you know, we're united as one and, uh, we're gonna go. We're gonna go get them. And I, I, I'm just uh, extremely excited for uh, the future of Michigan athletics. It's just the, the future is really bright.
1: You know, one thing I'd like to do is get some of our listeners' feedback on Coach Hoke. Um, do they believe it's all hype that in recruiting, or are they thinking it's more of a product of Hoke's hard work, or is it more of a product of uh ohio state's uh misgivings but kind of get some opinions from our listeners on where what what their take is on hope thus far one two is it a product of of him being a great recruiter great coach or is it a product of circumstance with ohio state down and uh you know i'd love to hear
0: yeah, and our, our guests, are our our listeners, I should say, can either give us a call at 775-3-GO-TALK and leave us a voicemail at 775-346-8255 or send us an email, as always, mgotalk at com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, talking about team news and some of the other things that happened this summer, there was some early talk, Jeff, about us with the potential. Uh, Dave Brandon talked about, well, you know, uh fans nowadays are uh, especially younger fans we got to make sure that we're growing and uh growing the fan base and making lifelong Michigan fans and he thought one of the ways to do that he threw the idea out of having a mascot. Um what are your thoughts on on the potential of having a mascot? You know
1: uh, I, I'm not 100% opposed to it. I know a lot of people are opposed to it. But, um and in Michigan, as you know, the fan base is the kind of fan base where you have a lot of traditionalists. So they make a mountain out of a molehill. So this like whole mascot thing, just the the fan base erupted. Kind of oh, similar man. to the to the to what they call the ugly legacy jersey, and I mean, there's just certain hot button issues that send these people into freak-out mode, and you know, I, I could care less. If there was a mascot there, I, I, I could care less if Christy Brinkley's there. I could care less. I just want to go watch the team play. I don't care if, you know, uh, what's the short guy? Mini
0: Me is there or <laughs> yeah, I love when Vern's there.
1: Maglio or Donez or, uh, Braveheart or Wani the Winkler. I just want to watch the team. And to me that these fans get all wrapped up in it and if the AD thinks it's a good idea from a marketing standpoint to get in on some of these mascot challenges and and some of those things from a marketing standpoint, I'm all for it. And, you know, I, I just don't understand why you would waste your time getting upset about that when you could waste your time getting upset about how horrible our defense was the last three years or the fact that, uh, the team has just had a rough stretch. So for me, I mean, what are your thoughts? Are you in this?
0: You know, the I, I thought that? I, I kind of am in the kill the mascot crowd only from the standpoint that, you know um, to me, it kind of cheapens us um, not to get back to the whole, you know, Michigan fans feel like we're elitists and all that. And, and we kind of do um, we are the leaders and best, but um, I think it kind of, takes us down to like a a Wisconsin notch or, you know, I see mascots as being like a ploy to try and, you know, get people to be fans of teams where they're really don't have a strong fan base. You know, for example, the San Diego chicken, I don't know many Padres fans outside of San Diego, you know what I mean? But everyone knows the San Diego chicken. And so it kind of worked, you know, just kind of worked, but I don't, I don't know if Michigan needs to, needs to do that. And then, how does it look? I mean, Wolverines are supposed to be known for their relentless ferocity and just supposed to be just you know, urgh, you know, killers. I can't imagine having a, a you know a friendly Wolverine mascot like, oh hey kids, let me pose for a picture. And but I do understand Dave Brandon's uh, comment. You know, he goes, I hate seeing Michigan fans po- posing with the Nittany Lion. I thought he was brilliant with his message, the way that he kind of uh, crafted what he said, saying, well, we're exploring it. If it makes sense, we'll do it. Um, so he kind of put a feeler out there to just, just see, you know, what, what people's reaction would be to that similar to how he did with, you know, we might have to move the game. It might not be the last week of the season. And we obviously see what, saw what happened there. And then also t- talking about the throwbacks and, uh, and now this mascot talk. So I think that Dave Brandon's doing a good job of just exploring, w- uh, with the fan base, what works and what doesn't work. And he's always attested all along that, you know, he doesn't care about the past. He creates the future. And I, I guess if the future is, hey, we're, we're trying to make, uh, create a a different game day atmosphere. And we've kind of already seen that take place with the music that's played during during the game now instead of the marching band. Um so if that's what it takes to to be kind of the cutting edge, um, and and to be the leaders and the best, then okay, I'll be about you know that's fine. If you can convince me that a mascot is the way for us to do that, I'll, I'll you know I'll support it. Um, I believe you, in our leadership.
1: You know, I just want our mascot to at least have. Uh, black belt and Jinjitsu and be personally trained <laughs> by Chuck Norris so that if Rufus, the Bobcat does take a ru- run at our mascot, he gets a roundhouse kick to the head. Dude from the uh, Wolvie, the Wolverine.
0: Uh, <laughs> Wolverine. I,
1: you know, Brutus is a total panty waste. And uh, I know that one thing you bring Brutus into the big house, he's going to get his butt kicked by uh Wolvie. he's
0: mm-hmm. going to get eaten alive. Yeah. So that'd
1: be my only request. Other than that, I, I could care a lot. I mean, maybe the reason I don't care is because the people freaking out about it have kind of taken it to like almost like they're putting a sewage plant next to their house kind of pissed off. And <laughs> to me, it's all perspective and, uh, I'm not for it. I'm not against it. It does. I, I get your point. I think it does cheap and kind of the Michigan brand but uh at the end of the day if he wants a mascot I'm open to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no me me too. I mean, I have not really questioned any of Dave Brandon's moves thus far. I mean, everything he's kind of done has turned to gold. So
1: Yeah, um, I would
0: give you kudos to
1: that. You've stayed the course with Brandon and you know, I know I was a, early on a little skeptical of the hire, but now I realized the guy was brilliant. I mean, Coach Hoke, I mean, if you were a questioner as, as to how he was going to do his first you know, 110 days or whatever on the job, you look like an idiot. I mean, I, I feel like an idiot for questioning uh, his ability because to go into the state of Michigan, take all the best players and totally put Sparty in a, vulnerable position to get their rear kick for the next four years Mm -hmm. and then go into ohio and and turn these are lifelong buckeye fans strobel and kalis into go blue lovers it's nothing short of incredible
0: oh it's amazing and to think that if we're signing 25 guys we might get 10 kids from ohio the borders are open baby
1: and we we're not going to get any 5 foot
0: 4 wide receivers from Florida. That's what's beautiful. I looked, you know, I looked With at our recruit box. list. We only have one player that's under 6 foot tall that's committed. I love that. I mean I know a lot of its positioning and everything else, but we're getting that size again. You know, we're getting the the NFL prototypical type players and uh I think it's tremendous.
1: Yep. The future's bright and for the first time in a long time,
0: it's great to be a Part Michigan. of the Michigan program, yeah, yeah. It's great to be a Michigan Wolverine, and you know we'll be back here in August doing a little team preview, um, and we'll, we'll, you know, before the uh, gosh, who do we open up with? Is it Western Michigan? I've really been paying too close attention to the to the schedule, but uh, we'll be back in sometime August to uh, to talk uh, about the uh, kind of a a preseason look, so to speak. And hopefully by then we'll be able to answer some of the questions or get some of the listener feedback that we'll be able to then put out and and address at that time. Um, Jeff, is there anything else you wanted to add before we sign off?
1: That's it. Tell your friends, tell your family. Um, Tune in. We appreciate all of our listeners and, and really love getting feedback from you. I think more than anything, that's probably the most fun about doing this show.
0: Absolutely, love love uh, sharing in the passion that everyone has for for Michigan football. So definitely give us a call seven seven five three go talk or send us an email. MGOTALK Should we give a shout out email. to the
1: uh, Marines out at uh, Leatherback?
0: Absolutely, shout out to uh, Tom Kershaw and and our other Marines out in out in uh, Fort. I'm not sure exactly. They're in Afghanistan, so we, we probably can't describe too well to, in too much detail where they're at exactly. But uh, definitely want to give a shout out to all our listeners in Afghanistan. We see we get a lot of downloads over there, so uh, we're going to keep bringing it to you this fall. And and we're probably only going to we're going to scale back a little bit to try and do more more quality instead of quantity. So we'll just be doing weekly shows during the season. We will recap, uh, have a recap and preview. Uh, each week of the season and have some special guests as well. We've got a, we've got a, a all-star lineup this fall of, of guests we plan on having on the show. So yeah, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to, uh, to bringing the action to you this fall. So on behalf of our executive producer, Brian Kernicki, Jeff Delvern, I'm Jeremy Miller signing off. Go blue. We'll see you guys in August. Take care.